Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Germany, like many countries, is grappling with diversity, especially in politics. So in this federal election year, will candidate lists reflect the evolving population mix in Germany? Senior producer Dina El-Sayed reports. Ich heiße Tarek El-Aus und kandidiere zusammen mit den Grünen in Dienstlaken und Oberhausen für den Bundestag. Born in Syria, Tarek Al-Aus wants to be the first refugee to be elected to the Bundestag. He's running as a Green Party candidate in the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, which is home to one-fifth of the refugee population in Germany. As an immigrant who settled in Germany, I welcome Al-Aus' candidacy. We lack adequate political representation, as do women. Nicht gut. Das zeigt eine Analyse unter den This report by public broadcaster ARD explored the lack of diversity in the Bundestag. Out of 709 MPs, less than a third are women, even though half of the population is female. Immigrants and their descendants make up more than a quarter of the German population, yet there are only 58 MPs with a quote Migrationshintergrund or migration background in the German parliament. That is 8%. In an interview last summer with public broadcaster Deutsche Welle, Senegalese-born Bundestag member Karamba Diaby warned of the serious consequences this lack of diversity in the political arena brings to German society. The Social Democrat, whose office in the eastern city of Halle has been shot at twice, says minority voices in Germany aren't heard enough. He says hostile attitudes are becoming the norm and the societal tone is, quote, raw. The shifting attitudes helped the anti-immigrant far-right alternative for Germany party receive enough votes in 2017 to become the main opposition party in the Bundestag. Diaby adds, the lack of representation of immigrants and their descendants in Germany is not just in the parliament, it's also a reality in the German news media and public services. The Syrian refugee candidate Alhaus told public broadcaster WDR that it's not enough for political parties to work on the issues related to immigrants and refugees. He says immigrants and refugees must also take part in those conversations because it's about their future. I, like Alhaus, don't feel adequately represented as an immigrant to Germany. But could that change in the future? We'll hear more on this episode of Common Ground. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. Joining me via Zoom to discuss the struggle to diversify the Bundestag and other German institutions are Aidan Özos, an MP from Hamburg who is a social democrat and who was previously the federal commissioner for migration, refugees and integration, and Andreas Wüst, a professor of political science and government at the Munich University of Applied Sciences. Welcome to you both. Hello, Soraya. Hello, Soraya. Aidan, I interviewed you six years ago about the frustrations of Germany's diversifying society that didn't feel politically represented. Has that changed for immigrants and their descendants since you were in Angela Merkel's cabinet? Well, actually, in the last years, we had some steps back, I would say. It was, you know, when I started policy in 2000, we really made some steps forward and more people came into our parliaments. Um, 
who had like migration backgrounds, but in the last years um, were not really represented well. And this has to do also with the structure in the parties, you know, who is given a chance to come to parliament, who's really someone that people say, okay, let us, you know, like trust in this person and give support so that the person can really run for parliament. So in the last years, you can uh, see the cabinet also there's almost no one with any migration background. So we're stuck a little bit in these times. Andreas, Germany has a parliamentary system. And as Aydan mentions, you know, there is a more varied choice of parties than, for example, in the United States, where you have a presidential system and only two political parties for all intents and purposes. So why is it that only one of every 12 members in the German parliament have a, quote, Migrationshintergrund or migration background when they make up just over a quarter of German society? Well, as Aydan already mentioned, um, parties are the gatekeepers in most of the parliamentary uh, systems that have closed lists and uh, parties decide on which people actually uh, have a chance to get nominated um, uh, and so on. And this is why it is possible for the parties also to place uh, candidates of immigrant origin or, um, or women or other underrepresented groups. Uh, on these lists, and this is an advantage, of course. But still, I a little bit disagree with Aydan's interpretation, since uh, if we look at the numbers of um, members of parliament on the different levels, on the local level, on the regional, and on the national level, uh, we have seen an almost steady increase of um, immigrant origin um, uh, parliamentarians. And if we compare that, for instance, with other uh, European countries, uh, what the Pathways Project uh, did um, during the last years. Uh, Germany is ranging in the midfield of uh, compared to other countries with the Netherlands and the UK at the very top and uh, Italy and Spain at the very bottom. So Germany is not doing that bad. <laughs> it sounds like Aydan wants to say something to that. Go ahead. Yeah, actually, I mean, of course, Andreas Wüst is correct to say that there is an increase, but just look at the Bundestag. Who is there in what jobs, you know? If you just look at how many civil servants are in the Deutsche Bundestag, it's like, I don't know, 200 something out of 709 people in the Deutsche Bundestag. So if you look at those and the average age also of the Deutsche Bundestag, um, you can see that people who are older than 50 and the average age is 50 in Deutsche Bundestag, you can really see that, for example, the civil servants, you have almost no one with a migration background, what we call migration background. I mean, it's even third generation that we count as migration background, which is a little bit difficult to compare to other countries who don't count so long, you know. But the older ones, um, there we can see, and I had the study when I was a states minister, that we really don't have a real increase there, not at this age. The younger people, yes, they start to have these jobs, they start to come to policy, they are given some support, but it's not that we have like all ages or all jobs. I mean, not even counted those with migration backgrounds. Um, this is a general problem of the Deutsche Bundestag, maybe of other parliaments too, that you don't have 
diversity represented in the parliaments. I mean, just look at women, just look at different jobs. We're so proud that we have a nurse in our group. You know, in these times, it's really important to talk about the situation in hospitals. So um, I think still we cannot really say that this is sufficient. You know, we really have only two little steps. And I think that many people are still not represented enough. Well, let me ask about the policy, Andreas, or the process, I should say, not the policy. How does it work? I mean, do political parties approach non-traditional candidates, be they women, be they people of color, or do those candidates actually have to convince the party that they should run? It actually goes both ways, and uh, it certainly changed over time. When we observe that there are very few MPs of immigrant origin, for example, parties, and especially those parties on the political left, uh, tried to recruit candidates, uh, sometimes from outside politics, uh, to run on their list, to get into parliament, to diversify their lists and to make um, their lists a little bit more attractive to the voters, especially uh, to the immigrant origin voters. And this has um, become much more competitive in recent years, uh, since, as you know, especially the parties on the left, um, they have a quota uh, for women. So every second place has to be uh, filled up with women. And then you are considering also other criteria, other uh, people to be placed on that list, like people of immigrant origin, like younger candidates, uh, sometimes of specific occupations, since you also need those different um, expertise in the Bundestag, as Aydan Özos just mentioned, because it's important to have these different views in parliament. But it's much more important that we have the different opinions, different interests represented in the Bundestag, and the party system um, enables us to do that. And this is the important uh, point of view, Uh, One spokesperson can be as good as many. So if you have nine silent people uh, of immigrant origin in a parliament, that might not be as useful as to have one strong representative and one person who speaks out, who is eloquent, who connects to the community and so on. So we have to be a little bit careful. We should not always count different groups and whether they are adequately represented in parliament. Can I add something? Absolutely. Go ahead, Aydan. Um, yes, I agree. Of course, you need those different, you know, like thoughts and situations, as I also mentioned before. But uh, in these times, I would say it's not only important to have those eloquent people, you know, who can talk to media in a good way, who are always like quoted. What is also important is that you have these people in the parties who really have discussions in there, which is not always heard outside. But if you want to change something, you have to do it in the inner circle. You have to do it in the boards. You know, you have to really try to bring all these different situations and thoughts together. So this is only a slight no, you know, it's not a real no, but I think that both is really important. What we should also mention maybe is that even the right wing party, AFD, has a lot of migrants, but they really select. It's almost, you know, those people from former Soviet Union countries that they really want to recruit. And I mean, there are also people who came with asylum uh, to Germany, but they really select those people that they try to 
you know, like tell special groups come to us because we are together against other migrants. This is what I really find dangerous and where we are all, you know, like called to pay attention to that we don't have these gaps between different groups and different like migrants and different structures. This is really, really important to look at this. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Alternative for Germany or AFD because I wanted to ask you about how their double digit voter support is making it more difficult for mainstream parties, whether the Social Democrats or the more conservative ones like Christian Democrats, uh, CSU. I mean, is this making it more difficult for them to diversify? I mean, parties are primarily interested in winning votes, winning mandates, and to have enough MPs to maybe form a government with other parties. So if they present candidates or lists with certain candidates uh, to the voters, there is also the thought that some candidates or some lists might not be that attractive to voters. And this makes um, it sometimes difficult for parties uh, to let people that are not that eloquent, that are not that charismatic, that are not uh, maybe also that intelligent yeah, to understand complex issues, to put them on their list or to let them run in certain constituencies. So parties should select the best suited nominees to get elected to parliament. And this brings us back to the issue of descriptive representation and substantive representation. So substantive representation is much more important than descriptive representation. And with the AfD running and bringing in members uh, into parliament and being attractive to a group of voters and a group of the population who is really reluctant towards diversity, towards having more immigrants, uh, to having more people of um, underrepresented groups um, in office, it makes it much more competitive um, uh, in elections and um, maybe a little bit more difficult for some parties to present candidates of immigrant origin. And this might especially apply to the big parties like, uh, or the formerly bigger parties like the Social Democrats. Aydan? Well, actually, we have a good quota, but um, look at the union parties. I mean, CDU, CSU really have problems to uh, recruit people with uh, migration backgrounds. As far as I could see, when they had someone in the next period, this person was not there anymore. So I think there's a lot to do still. Aydan, <laughs> let me follow up with a question about your fellow Social Democrat MP Diaby, who in the Deutsche Welle interview said that the lack of diversity is not just in the Bundestag, but in the newsrooms too, in the media across Germany. Do you think that lack of diversity in the media plays any role in why German politics are not more diversified? Well, actually, I worked a lot on this topic um, for many years, and we just had a conference with a lot of people from media. And I remember that, you know, we started with a group of scholars when I was in the foundation, uh, when we invited media, you know, the boards of media, and then we invited also uh, pupil, you know, like they came from their schools and they asked those people, uh, how do you see us, question mark, you know? And then um, it's like, why do you write such things about us? And it was like Muslims and um, people of color, like how they were addressed in the papers. And I would say 
of course, if you look at the news today, um, if you look in, in TV or also newspapers, you can see a lot of people with migration backgrounds. But uh, what, what those people tell me is that on the very important places, like decision makers, those in the background, there you still don't have a lot of people with migration backgrounds. This is what they say. I think we have a lot of steps forward also, maybe more than in politics, but still it's probably important that we have these, um, well, if I say fight, I don't mean anything negative, you know, it's like we don't continue to have a real struggle like with different opinions. What we do is sometimes really harsh. I mean, just look at Twitter or Facebook. If you have an opinion, then there's like a group of people who really insults you, you know, you don't really have the chance to have arguments. And this is something that uh, I think journalists could really support that we have, again, more discussions, real discussions. There's something that our society has lost in a way, just to have this kind of real arguments, real discussions. And um, maybe there is something that journalists could really support. Andreas, let me ask you about the repercussions as you see them of having a Bundestag that numerically and voice-wise, I mean, for those who are loud and charismatic, are not really reflective of societal diversity. I mean, there is still a, a fairly large divide, and I'm wondering if you see any repercussions for legislation and policies as a result of that. Yeah, first of all, I think we have to get these numbers straight. Uh, if we look at um, the share of immigrant origin population, uh, we have uh, 26%. If you look at those um, of uh, German citizenship, uh, it's 14%. If we look at those at the voting age population, it's 11%. And then if you take the 8% of the Bundestag of the members of immigrant origin in contrast to the 11 or to the 14%, you come to different conclusions. So let us be careful. And if you look at the increase over the last decades with just two MPs in the early 90s and just a few in the 80s in state and the European Parliament, we have come a long way. And also when it comes to media, there has been a study on elites from the German Center for Research on Integration and Migration last year. And that actually showed that in the media, we have 16% at these top level positions. And um, a study of the Southwest Broadcasting Unit, the SWR, which did a survey in 2013, we have 19% of people working at this station of immigrant origin. So, the numbers might be much higher than we think, although there are certain areas where we still have the old white <laughs> people uh, doing uh, their news coverage and um, not being that reflective on the whole society. So there has been a lot of development in most areas, I would say, but in some areas, uh, hardly any. And what we still need is numbers. And that brings us to the question of the migration background issue. I'm always saying immigrant origin because I think that's the more suitable uh, term here. But we were so happy as academics that this term has been introduced and, and data has suddenly become available in 2005 because before that we only had data on foreigners and Germans. So 
this does not help us a lot thinking about integration, thinking about how inclusive a society is and how progress actually right. has been has been made. So this is why we need more numbers. We need more data on certain aspects because you know most of those um, kind of perceptions that Aidan Özuz or I or other people might have is only partially reflected in the data. So we need more data and we need more research on certain issues. And uh, I'm very happy that uh, the institutes have grown up and that there's more infrastructure on integration and migration research. Also happened during the time when uh, Aidan Özuz was a state minister or commissioner, but we still have to go a long way. Aidan, what about you? Do you see an impact or repercussions for legislation and policies because the Bundestag doesn't really reflect the makeup of society, although, the, you know, exactly how much it does or doesn't is up to debate, as Andreas was saying? Yeah, I think there is an impact. I mean, if you just compare the situation when there is or when there are people who really talk about their experiences and who try to represent uh, certain groups and tell about their experiences. I mean, let it be the time when I was a commissioner and uh, when we talked about all the refugees and we brought so many refugees to the chancellery, we invited people who came first generation um, as, you know, so-called Gastarbeiter and talked about their experiences. Of course, this is so important because we see that many people don't know about those experiences. They don't even know about discrimination in Germany. It's not that they don't want to see, I think at least most of them, um, but they just don't um, really see this. Well, this is something that I think really makes a difference if you have people who have themselves such uh, backgrounds uh, on the same hand, I mean, I just don't know if I'm so happy with this term migration background. Um, when it came up, we were all so happy because, you know, we weren't called foreigners anymore. It was like we made a step forward, you know, okay, now we are migrants, we're Germans with migrant backgrounds. So we came a little bit more to the center. And then we found out a few years later, it was just another statistics. It was just another group that you're put in. And it was almost like being a foreigner. It didn't really make a difference, even though you have German citizenship, even though you're a politician or you're a reporter, you're from media, you're from whatever, you know, um, you're an entrepreneur. I don't really know if this is good, but on the other hand, it's so important to have people with these experiences to come up and tell about this and then discuss about citizenship, discuss about why do we have people in Germany who live here for decades, you know, it's like 40 years, let's say, who are foreigners, but who always worked, who paid their taxes, who brought up their children, and they are still not given any chance to, you know, do something in policy, to vote at any level. Um, there's still a lot to do, and it's very important that we hear and see those people. I mean, Karamba Diaby, you mentioned before, he's from Senegal, and we don't have many people uh, with color in the Bundestag or in our parliament, and we should see them. Yeah, that we have a lot to do to have a more diverse society who thinks that diversity is normal. 
We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about the struggle to diversify Germany's political arena. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. I'm Maurice Frank, editor of the Berliner Zeitung English Edition, which is a proud partner of Common Ground. Is it hard for you to figure out what's going on in Berlin because everything you read or hear is in German? We at Berliner Zeitung English Edition can help providing you with all the news you can use in English, whether on politics, business, or culture. We also offer riveting interviews and commentary. Look for us at berliner-zeitung.de slash en, or just type in Berliner Zeitung English Edition into your search engine. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina El Sayed, the senior producer. Each week, we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard hitting topic. If you want to learn more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com. The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the donate button at commongroundberlin.com. And thanks for listening. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and my guests via Zoom are Social Democratic MP Aydan Özos, who became the first politician of Turkish origin to hold a top post in the German government, and political science professor Andreas Wüst of the Munich University of Applied Sciences. We are talking today about the obstacles making German politics and public life more reflective of the country's diversifying society. And Andreas, I want to go to something that you were talking about before the break, um, and that is we were do- offering a comparison for how Germany is doing with EU countries. Since we have a large expat American audience, I'm wondering if you can draw that comparison to the United States, which recently swore in its most diverse Congress and cabinet ever. When it comes to um, a diverse um, uh, government, um, like Joe Biden actually uh, is striving to, Germany is behind, (laughs) that's for sure. And if you look at uh, how those uh, governments are composed, the ministers, there are hardly any uh, ministers of immigrant origin in Germany. Even uh, in some cabinets, uh, women are quite rare. Uh, But to understand the difference uh, or the development in the United States is that uh, we had the Trump experience here. And with Donald Trump uh, moving the whole country uh, towards uh, the political right or being much more conservative or reactionist maybe also in some way, um, Joe Biden actually, uh, with his nominations for his cabinet, tried to tell a very different story and to more linked to the time that uh, Barack Obama was president and former presidents tried to diversify uh, their cabinets. In Germany, we see such discussions only um, very seldomly and uh, only evolving uh, to some extent right now. And with the AfD in uh, parliaments, uh, it's certainly not easier to diversify government compositions. Aidan, back in 2015, you told me that you'd be happy to learn from other countries on how to deal with immigration and integration, but that you hadn't found the right model yet. Is that still true six years later? 
Well, actually, of course, we always looked at Canada. You know, this was something that really was a, a nice picture to see. And in 2021, I'm a little bit sorry to say that in Germany, we cannot at all show something like that in our cabinet, but it might change. I hope so, um, that we learn now. Actually, I remember that, you know, my cousins were more or less my age. They were born and raised in the U.S. And it's so funny almost to say in former times, I was always jealous, you know, to say, okay, they're just Americans. It was so normal that they're U.S. citizens from birth. And we weren't, we were foreigners in Germany. And then um, as time went by, I saw that, okay, but we made some steps. Um, and if you look at uh, the US Congress, for example, Alexandra Octavio Cortez, I mean, what she really experienced there, it shows that, you know, this kind of discrimination, racism, whatever, you have it like everywhere and we really have to fight against this um, altogether. So I think that Germany, yeah, it made some steps and, and we have like so many parliaments to look at. We have the federal one, but also in all the Bundesländer, which is important to look at because they're very important and strong. And if you look at those, I mean, when I went out of Hamburg parliament, um, first, I was the only one. When I went out, there were five people following me. So there you can really see that something is happening and people vote for those persons. You know, it's like they're not only put on lists and so on, but if you really look at the numbers, you can see that a lot of people really vote for those who have a migration background. And it, this shows how diverse the society became already. Both of you spoke about the problems with the phrase Migrationshintergrund, or migration background, something that, for example, is applied to you, Aydan, even though you were born here in Germany. Can you elaborate more on why the phrase is problematic and whether it should be changed? And we'll start with you, Andreas. There are two main problems um, uh, associated with the term migration background or Migrationshintergrund which I uh, more like more to phrase immigrant origin. <laughs> and the first one is um, uh, how it actually is operationalized. Because the idea was to have a term and to have a definition for people who came from other countries of non-German citizenship or uh, who are descendants, immediate descendants of those people that actually immigrated. And what happened is that uh, it uh, has been combined with citizenship. So we have both criteria combined and that made, for instance, a third or fourth generation uh, foreign citizen um, whose parents or grandparents never naturalized, still someone of migration background. And this is problematic. So we have to change that. And this is actually one of the proposals of the new report Commission on Integration uh, Capability, Integrationsfähigkeit, that we have to separate citizenship from uh, immigration. And uh, the other thing is the term itself, the label. The label um, has been used um, more or less as a new label for foreigners. <laughs> and this was a development that was not very good and not intended at all. And it's more the problem of usage. And I'm not really sure whether we will make it better with uh, introducing 
Migrationsgeschichte, Migration History. So what is history? Are we then talking about the Huguenots of the centuries ago? So this term is not really defined. And if we think about immigrants and their immediate descendants, not all people coming to Germany uh, are immigrants. Some are just here temporarily. So how do we treat uh, them? So I'm still in favor for this term migration background or Migrationshintergrund. I still think it's a good term, but we should stop talking about all people that look a little bit different or that have someone coming from a country as someone uh, being of migration background. So it's more the usage of the term than the term itself. And we have to work on the definition. Aydan, what do you think? Well, actually, when I explain to people um, what the definition of Migrationshintergrund, migration background is, you always have this experience that people say, oh, wait a minute, my father is French or my mother is from Britain, you know, like, am I a migrant? I'm not a migrant, right? And then I say, yes, you are. You are part of this definition. And there you can see maybe what it really is today. It's kind of a segregation between, you know, people who look a little bit more like, let's say, Muslim or different or strange or whatever people have as definitions in their head. And this is something that I really don't like. And at the same time, if we see what it is uh, really used for, we have political categories. I mean, we had like um, real things uh, for schools where they said due to the proportion of scholars with migration background, you will be given resources, I mean, finances, um, to teach them better German. Think now what this means. I mean, I was born in Germany. My daughter was born in Germany. She's third generation. She's part of this group. Why should she have another German lesson? She doesn't need it. But there are other Germans who don't have migration backgrounds who really need support in German. So this category politically doesn't really make sense in the way it is used today. Still, I uh, support Andreas uh, when he says maybe it's good, you know, to see how people really, you know, come into positions. Is there a segregation because of migration background or what happens? So for the science, it might really make sense to look at this. But politically, um, the IT expert from U.S., my daughter in third generation, or someone from, let's say, Somalia who comes as a refugee, they're all the same category, you know, that doesn't really make sense. So politically, we need other uh, categories and other things that those groups, whoever you mean, really need. So then let me ask you both about another controversial item besides terminology, and that is quotas. Obviously, the German government uh, recently accepted doing quotas, for example, for women in the boardroom. Is that kind of step necessary to speed up diversification in the Bundestag and other public institutions? And I'll start with you, Andreas. Quotas might help to bring more people into certain positions that are underrepresented in the medium term or in the short term. That's an instrument that can be used, uh, but we also need to be careful in the way it is being used or in the way it is being applied. 
if you think about immigrant origin, so who do we count? Only the first generation, the first and the second generation, only those who are naturalized and so on. So do we have to take care of certain immigrant origin groups? So we have to have at least so many percent of Turkish origin, so many percent of Russian origin, refugee status. It's going to be complicated and it's much more complicated compared to, for instance, women. With women, women are an integral part of society, an integral part of all the families. So no one doubts that women are just 50% or even more of the population. And this is also the question of the goal and the idea behind the quota. Are we talking about um, justice, just to bring certain people in as a matter of um, same chances? Or are we looking at um, a descriptive point of view because we assume certain people uh, to bring in views into, into Parliament? So I think with the immigrant origin, the quota is getting complicated. And especially so if you combine it with the established quotas for women. So it's getting much more complicated for the parties to do that, even though we have implicit quotas for all kinds of groups in the parties. People um, on the list need to come from certain regions of states, represent certain uh, wings of the party, the more conservative or the more liberal uh, ones. And now you bring, in addition to the quota for women, you bring in an, a, another quota. I think it's going to make it much more complicated. What about you, Aidan? Do you think quotas uh, are something that's good in order to speed up diversity? To be honest, this is a real difficult question for me um, because I, on the one hand, I really want more people with uh, migration experiences or you know migration experiences in their families, let's say, uh, to come to parliaments, to come to policy, to come to political parties. On the other hand, a quota uh, where you don't have a real group, you know, that really um, has a lot in common. I mean, migration background in Germany means, as we said before, maybe third generation. I know so many people who don't know anything about the culture of their family abroad, who don't speak another language than German. Is that the quota that I really want, just because I say if your grandfather came once or your grandmother from another country or your uh, mother or father was born in Germany as a foreigner, if we have a better definition for what this is, maybe it would make sense, but diversity is so much more. I mean, I'm, I'm really a fan of this quota for women because I think it doesn't work otherwise. Um, we tried so many things and it didn't work. But with the migration background, I see a difference because the younger people who come, they are like of migrant families and um, there you have a higher number. Um, so it might work. It works a little bit for civil servants um, and it works probably also for politics. So I would really say let's stress more the fact that we need those people and that parties should have them and that we need more diversity also in other contexts in the parties. And I hope that people will vote more for those who really say, okay, this is important in our country, that we have more diversity in the parliament and more women and more people with migration experiences. 
but uh, I'm not really sure of this quota. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's perfectly okay. Um, that was Aidan Özos, a Bundestag member from Hamburg, who is a social democrat and who was previously the federal commissioner for migration, refugees, and integration. And my other guest was Andreas Wüst, a professor of political science and government at the Munich University of Applied Sciences. Thank you to you both. Thank you, Soraya. Thank you. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed, and I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next Monday for another episode of Common Ground. Our program is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you also to our partner, Berliner Zeitung English Edition. You can download all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com. 